welcome to Virtual Theater, the podcast all about video game movies and the stories that shape them. My name is Andy Spateri, and as always, I'm joined by Gooey Fame. Goo, how are you? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Cool. Uh, can't complain. It is freaking hot in uh, in Calgary right now. No kidding. Like, r- stupidly hot. Yeah. We're, mm. a, we're a town of like two extremes. It's either way too hot or it's way too cold. It's a little hot here, but it's been better. It, or it's been worse, I guess. It's been hotter. I, I'm managing. <laughs> I guess, you know, the thing about here is that like nobody has AC in Canada because really you only use it for like maybe a month of the year at best if you have AC. So like you gotta, you gotta be on the, the more affluent side for AC and I'm too poor for that. So I just, you know, don't have it. So when it's hot, it's really hot. Mm-hmm. Fortunately. And, and you know, you can't have that fan going, making all these audio issues. No, you know what? So I think I've said this on this podcast before or one of my podcasts, but so actually my, my, recording room is in the basement of my townhouse and uh right beside the recording room like on the other wall is the laundry room and the furnace room so whenever the furnace is going it's just like this fucking noise (laughs) so like in the winter time when we do these shows i i put on some warm socks put on my sweatpants put on a toque i go and shut my furnace off (laughs) so like there's no heat going to the going to the house i'm sitting here recording in the cold all for the sake of, of you, the listener. You suffer for your art. I like it. <laughs> Not to uh, mention you got guys building sheds. <laughs> so, funny story. Anybody that, that has not heard the shed story, you need to check out uh, us on, over on Patreon. You can get the uh, the bonus outtakes. So, since I told him that he couldn't just show up whenever he wanted to to build the shed, he has, he has not been back since to work on this thing. And my backyard is covered in debris still. Wow. Either like, he's doing that out of spite or, like, he can only make plans spontaneously. Oh, uh, no, it, it's out of spite. Uh, I mean, like, that was, like, a month ago, right? I, I feel like that yeah. was close to a month. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm looking I'm looking into my backyard right now, and it's it, it just looks like a war zone, like a great battle was fought there. <laughs> so petty. Very petty, yes. He's <laughs> it's a very petty man, but uh, it's neither here nor there, I guess. We are hoping... That uh, that you guys are going to love our episode today all about Tron. And, uh, you know, before we get going on uh, this episode, I feel like we should mention that uh, we're pulling a little bit of editing magic here, Goo, because we've actually been talking for almost 45 minutes already. <laughs> and we've been talking about all of the video game movie news, which has uh, which has come out in the last little bit. And, uh, you know, we didn't want to to front load the Tron episode with that. So we decided to release it just as a straight up bonus show. Of course, you guys can check that out over on patreon.com forward slash virtual theater. You've got to contribute one dollar to get that bonus content. Uh, It's going to be totally worth it. I'm looking at the list of stuff that we just talked about. We talked about Fallout, The World Ends With You, Monster Hunter, uh, Tetris, Sonic 2, and Tron 3. So there is a lot of meat on that bone. For one buck, you can have it all. Yeah, we it's and it's not just us reciting the news. We had some good convos. We talked about maniacal looks. It's, it's a good time. Yeah. There's a lot of good time. We talked about um, some funky Tetris music. I mean, that's oh, worth the dollar yeah. alone. 
<laughs> I, I'm not even going to hint at what that's about because I want you to pay the dollar to find out about that music. It's it's worth <laughs> it. Trust me. It is uh, so I, worth it. I was I was pretty blown away by the experience <laughs> that I just had. Uh, so, you know, that's that's for a dollar over on Patreon.com forward slash virtual theater. And if you're really feeling generous and you have five dollars to contribute, by God, you get the Legend of Zelda cartoon bonus shows. We are still rocking and rolling on those. They're trickling out. Uh, the fan reviews are in. People are loving them. So make sure that you are heading over <laughs> and, uh, you know, hitting up Patreon so that you can listen to that sweet, sweet bonus content. Um, all right, Goo, enough shilling. Should we uh, should we get into Tron? Yeah, let's let's get into it. All right, so um, we're going to just kind of do this in the same style we did John Wick uh, a couple of weeks ago. We're just going to kind of bounce around and talk about some of the characters, some of the just more important b- plot moments. We're not going to go beat by beat because, you know, I feel like that's really only an efficient format with really bad movies. I feel like, yeah, I, I feel like I want our shows to be like, if you haven't seen the movie, and most of them are bad, you can kind of relive it with us. Yes. And have some fun. But Tron, it's... I feel it, like it, everyone's seen Tron, right? Everyone, everyone has seen it or you should see it. Yeah. And you should you should just go watch it before, uh, you know, listening to this episode, maybe. Or not. I mean, I'm, but... No, it's no, definitely... you gotta watch Tron. You gotta <laughs> okay, watch Tron. Okay. It's, this, is a, this is an awesome movie. And uh, you know, just like John Wick, we, before, we, before we, you know, record these virtual theater shows when it's a regular movie, a regular video game movie, it's like, okay, is this going to be decent or is it going to be a train wreck? When, like, when you get to (laughs) movies like Wick or, like, Tron, it's like, all right, we already know that this movie rocks. Like, let's just kind of enjoy it and and just talk about it in general. So, there you go. Tron was released in, my God, July the 9th of 1982. Unbelievable (laughs) how old this movie is. That's... I mean that that's crazy. This movie is like forty years old. Yeah, and well, I I don't want to jump too far ahead, but like the thing about it is that at the time it was a you know a visual spectacle, right? And it still is. So shout out yeah. to that. Yeah, <laughs> very obviously very stylistic. Um, this was directed by uh, Steven Lisberger and starring Jeff Bridges. Bruce, I'm not even going to try his last name. Bruce Boxleitner. Uh, Boxleitner, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Boxleitner, that runs... I don't know why this popped in my head. It reminds me of The Office when Jim is pranking Dwight and he's calling him Buttlicker. <laughs> sure. I hope that there's, I'm sure I hope that there's that. some Office fans out there that, that kind of got that. Um, it also has David Warner and Cindy Morgan in it. Uh, so it's got a pretty decent cast, and uh, I yeah. think that they all pull their weight for the most part in this movie, particularly, obviously, uh, Jeff Bridges. Yeah, definitely. I mean, all, all these actors are um, acclaimed for their day. I'm sure maybe some of our younger fans, like even me included, like aren't as familiar with their work, but they are They are all great. And obviously, Jeff Bridges is uh, now, at this point, a, a legend. So it was cool. It's cool to go back, you know, and see him as a... Uh, as a young man it's it's actually crazy because he really does look like 
just really young. And then like, obviously that sounds stupid. And you know, he was young. It was 40 years ago, but like when you're used to seeing him in movies, like, like true grit or like iron man or, uh, or like even, um, even like the big Lebowski, he just looks like a lot older. Yeah. That's like, he's almost, that's like part of his defining characteristic now is like a, a grizzled old man. Right. Yeah. So but it's cool it, to see him here. as kind of like, a a young stud, right? Like he's, he's hot stuff in this movie. <laughs> yeah. That you ain't wrong. He's Harrison Ford vibes, maybe like Han Solo outlaw bad boy. It's funny that you said Han Solo. Cause I, I wrote that down as well. Oh, okay, like yeah. I, I feel like Jeff Bridges was doing his best Han Solo impression this entire yep, movie. Yeah. It's a little, yeah. It's a little like uh off brand Han Solo. But it yeah. works. It works perfectly. I think there is a specific, actually no. I'll, I'll save it till we get there. But uh, okay. there are a the few moments where I was just like, "Oh my god!" It, it literally feels like I'm watching Han Solo because I mean they kind of look alike too. Yeah, I th- you know, and I think it. I think Han Solo maybe uh, inspired the look a little bit. Like at least they. I think when they were like doing the costuming and like the hair styling, they were like, "Give him, give him the Han Solo haircut." I can see that. Yep. It's very, very similar in looks and in cadence and in uh, just kind of the tone of their characters. But um, let's let's get to there uh, first. Let's talk about a few things that uh, that went on, you know, in the pre-production side of things in Tron. Um, so everybody knows that this was one of the first films to make like extensive use of computer animation. Um, there is a lot of different techniques that they used. I'm not going to try and, um, you know, name them all for you because I mean, frankly, I don't even understand half of them, but that, that is, you know, this was the, one of the first movies that really, you know, embraced the, the computer imagery at the time. Although it is funny that, uh, you know, a a lot of people think of this movie as being totally like all the computer parts being totally kind of CG. And uh, when I was doing my research for this, it's actually only like 15 to maybe 20 minutes max of computer animated graphics in this movie. Yeah, which I thought was was pretty wild. Yeah. And it, I think it shows because there's something so like, obviously, like the it looks insane and it looks unreal. But there's also something so like I, I was going to say tangible, but I don't think that's the right word. Like it just it feels as like crazy it looks it feels like real you know what i mean it's it's Mm. it's it's just constantly impressive to look at and it's it's something it reminds me of certain other groundbreaking old uh cinematic or like uh science fiction and stuff like that where you look at it and you it's very clear like this is a movie made in 1982 or whenever it's made but like it's so stunning and impressive that it like I don't know. It just still holds up today because when you're looking at it, you're like, I can't believe they did that. <laughs> I, I have an analogy that I actually used to describe Tron to Sam yesterday. And I want your opinion on it. Goop. Okay. So I was watching it and like, I was like, damn, this movie was made 40 years ago, but like, it still looks really cool. So I was like, I was describing Tron to her. Cause I'm not sure that she's ever seen it. And I was like, it's kind of like playing an old NES game with like really good sprite work for the time and like it looks like it was made 40 years ago but the sprite work still looks really crisp and really fresh you know what i mean yeah yeah i feel like that's tron and 
And if I'm making a, comp- I'll, I'll go with your analogy. And it, I think at a lot of times it looks better than like the bottom 99% of like the modern games that try to like capture that style, you know, like obviously there's a lot of games now that, that do it amazingly, you know, but then there's all these yeah. just generic knockoff things. So a know? good analogy would be like in the, in the early days of the PlayStation and N64, when everything was, was 3d, that shit looked really good for the time, but like two years later, it's like, oh, this looks awful and it looks mm-hmm. aged. We're like, I, th- I think that Tron just looks like spectacular still in in its own way. It's still it's still so like stark and beautiful and impressive to me compared to like a good handful of movies that are like CG mush. You, you know what I mean? Like compared to Venom, you know, <laughs> like uh, <laughs> a movie that I. Uh, on the bonus episode said I like, but if we're talking, you know, just a movie like that where it's like, yeah, a lot of amazing technology went into it and all this stuff, but like it, it didn't have in terms of the visual design, didn't have like a, a percentage of the charm, you know, or like the creativity or whatever, the inspiration. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, I'll use another kind of weird analogy here, but when I was watching this, I was like, why do I think that this looks better than like the matrix reloaded? And I, (laughs) I was kind of like, all right, you know what Tron is? Tron is a singer that can sing really well. (laughs) And the matrix reloaded uses auto tune and auto tune sucks. It kind of, it sounds okay. It gets the job done, but like Tron's a singer baby. And like, it's the styling, you know, it's not just the computer generated effects, but the styling too, that they chose is I think what kind of sets it apart, makes it, so timeless yeah there's just so much more flavor now or flavor in it than a lot of things now Uh, we're sounding like old people but (laughs) that's just how i feel like i feel like there's so much something more inspiring about it than seeing like like there to me there's nothing fascinating about watching like and here's how we made the battle on the moon against thanos Oh, it's just Robert Downey Jr. on a green screen. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk about colors for a second here, because this actually caught my eye, and I thought that it was really interesting. So Richard Taylor, who um, you know fans might recognize him from doing props on uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy, uh, originally, I guess he quoted uh, something along the lines of "When in doubt, black it out," which became their motto, and you can. I, basically, what I think he means is that, like, when they're inside the actual computer, instead of, you know, like trying to come up with like this schnazzy background or whatever, it's just black blank space, which I think like it's really understated, but it really adds to the tone of like when you're inside the computer world, how it's just like blackness yeah. all around you, and it reminds me of like an old school just monitor, like a black monitor, right? And a lot of things, a lot of then like the people are all white a lot with like the colors on them. Uh, it almost has like a negative type effect. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it does again, it makes it feel so alien and foreign, but like, you know, again, it, it like is brought to life like that. And, and that it just start, it starts with such like, like the guy, the like almost impenetrable dialogue, whatever they're talking about, like the computer characters that like, I I almost feel like I am watching like an artifact of of like another civilization for a moment. One of the things that I think that um like 
really helps the computer segments stick out as well is like whenever you see a character or even like a ship, it's almost like everybody's glowing. Like they have lights coming off them, which I think yeah, like yeah. really kind of adds to the aesthetic as well. Um, this one stuck out to me. Um, so the original script called for the good programs to be colored yellow and evil programs to be colored blue. And then like halfway through they, uh, they kind of switched it up to blue is for good. And then red is for evil, which I don't know. It, it's such a minor thing, but it's, it's weird to think of like, like what if Tron was yellow instead of blue, <laughs> uh, which is, I, I which is crazy. There's some, there's some yellow Trons in the sequel, right? I think they think they got some yellow guys in there. I think so. Well, you know, even like even in the actual movie, like when they're in the um, when they're in the light cycles, like the light cycles are yellow. And so like Tron looks yellow. And uh, it's I don't know. I, I just think that like the way that the characters glow and the objects that they're in just glow. I, it just like adds a lot to the world. And I think that it adds a lot to it because the background is just like black. So it just those yeah. two color choices just come together and they they really make it pop for me and like it really works and like i think that kind of just disguises you know the fact that this was made 40 years ago because it's like it's solid black and then you have this glowing color so like it just it still pops no matter when you watch it and i think i think like seeing seeing the actual faces of people but like in black and white i don't know there's something weird about it because it's like it's one of those things where it's like you can you can tell it's like okay they took these people and they made them black and white um, but I don't know. There's something about like s- sort of seeing the craft <laughs> on screen. The like you like I can just tell that that's it's like the effects they're doing are are effects, but in like a good way. Where it like impresses me. I don't know. I can't quite put it into words. I, I mean, honestly, it's hard to put into words. Like you know how the film looks. This this is a movie that you have to see. Right. Like you, you can't describe it. And I, if, if anybody, you know, hasn't seen Tron, you should go and check out Tron. I think it's on Disney plus if that's your thing. Um, and probably the sequel is too, actually. So, you know, make it a two for one, but you know, I, I couldn't recommend it enough. Um, it just to see how it, like how it looks. And there's a lot of good videos out there explaining like what they did to get that look. And you know, we won't go over them here, but yeah, I, I really do just like, Love the look, love the color, and love the absence of color in a lot of spots too. I think it, I think it just comes together like really well. Yeah, definitely. All right, so a few other little uh, tidbits here. Um, so I guess I didn't notice this, Goo, and I don't know if you did either. But in the scene where Tron and Ram are escaping in the light cycle arena, uh, mm-hmm. you can actually see Pac-Man standing behind Sark. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah, and the, like, is it the same moment I'm thinking of where it's like? The, the Pac-Man noise is playing very loudly. It's very weird, actually. I, I totally missed it. There's, like, a part where, like, Pac-Man is, like, on a console or something. Like, just on, like, a a, a HUD or whatever behind him. An interface. And, like, you just hear, like, waka, 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 waka. And I'm like, what is going... Uh, the, the logic of the computer world is sometimes silly. But I was like, Pac-Man is just here <laughs> or something. I don't know. Man, great, you know though. what's messed up too is like Pac-Man came out what like two years before this movie did. Yeah, like, yeah. That's how old Tron is because like it seems like Pac-Man came out like forever ago, right? Right. No, this is this is like the height, or maybe not the height. This is like 
right yeah this is probably the height of like the arcade era you know so it it almost it, it reminds me actually of how um the you know they were when we talked about wreck it ralph they were like trying to like kind of make that movie a long time ago to kind of like cash in on that craze a little bit uh but yeah. you know this is kind of that <laughs> and uh it's i guess it's funny that they've just kept doing that <laughs> um so uh, speaking of arcades so the movie tron the movie flopped like big time it actually had two releases it flopped in 82 and then they brought it back out in february of 83 and it flopped even worse so they actually ended up creating a arcade video game based on the movie tron and strange enough like that was a huge hit and like i guess outgrossed the movie by far which is wild to think of that's actually yeah that's a pretty fun game uh there's it's got different modes um and some of them are hard but uh i i usually try it out every time i'm at an arcade can't say i've ever really had the pleasure of playing tron although i can't say that i've really had the pleasure of going to like a lot of cool arcades we don't really have any around where i live unfortunately Mm. yeah it's it's got like a light cycle level um it's got uh you know one where you're going up towards like some colors and you have to shoot them out before you touch them i don't know it's there's like a tanks level sort of it's pretty good oh, that sounds cool we have a couple like we have a couple arcade bars but they have like your your greatest hits of arcade games there's so, like they have the simpsons and, like turtles in time and stuff like that like the, the arcade games that you see everywhere so you can't really get any good deep cut games like tron i don't even know if tron is a deep cut actually but i've never played it I think it's pop. Yeah, you like you said, it's popular. So it's it's certainly no Pac-Man, but yeah. Um, so another uh, interesting tidbit that uh, that I saw uh, when I was doing my research for this, this film was actually disqualified from receiving an Academy Award nomination for special effects because the Academy felt that at the time using computers was cheating. <laughs> can you believe that? Yeah, I can. I can actually believe it just because. <laughs> Like things, things like that change over time. Like there's weird, you know, like the concept of, of art in general is always changing and definitions are always changing. And yeah, it seems crazy now, but yeah, (laughs) I can. It it kind of reminds me of people bitching that like movies that aren't released in theaters shouldn't be able to win awards and stuff like that. Like I feel like in 10 years, that's going to be people are going to be like, oh, that's ridiculous. Like, why couldn't the Irishman get an Oscar nomination just because it wasn't, you know, like, released in theaters? Yes, yeah. It's it's definitely behind the times at this point, for sure. But, uh, yeah, I can totally see... I don't know, that happens a lot. Like, even there, you know, there were even times where, f- you know, films were just not looked at at the same, as, same way as, like, other forms of art. And... You know, that slowly changes, you know, new generations come in, new filmmakers. And this had this. I mean, there's obviously a lot of movies before this that have crazy special effects and use computers, I believe. But like this had to be one of the ones to to lead the way, I guess. It uh, it definitely stuck out to me because when I was when I was doing uh, or when I was watching Tron, I was like, man, this must have won like an Academy Award for all the shit that it did, like because it's one of the first to ever do it. But uh, nope, not really. It, it might- did win an Academy <laughs> Award, but not for that. One thing that I thought was funny, many Disney animators refused to work on this movie because they feared that the computers would put them out of business. And 
they they were right actually uh 22 oh. years after this this movie came out uh disney closed his hand-drawn animation studio in favor of cgi animation so there you go and the movie they don't look they don't look as good now <laughs> they they really don't uh. no they really don't uh they don't have that same kind of classical vibe to them which is too bad but let's get into the movie itself here let's kind of Let's kind of set the stage and talk about uh, the movie, not beat by beat, but we'll talk about some of the important uh, movie moments here, and uh, then we'll talk about some of the characters as well. But uh, let me set the table for you guys here. If you haven't seen it, we start off with the uh, giant corporation of Encom. So that is run by this dude named Ed Dillinger, who has this uh, computer program called the Master Computer Program, <laughs> who is who yes. is running everything. <laughs> They're doing some shady stuff. Uh, the the MCP is definitely grown beyond its initial uh, ideas, so he's he's kind of tapping into some shit that he shouldn't be. Um, Kevin Flynn is a former programmer who was fired from the company after Dillinger stole his ideas for video games. Alan Bradley is a programmer who currently works there, and he is developing a computer program called Tron, which will independently oversee the MCP. And uh, Dr. Laura Baines, she's just kind of there. She's a scientist, and she works on, like, digitizing real-world shit into a computer. So that's that's kind of what you need to know in order to get uh, into yeah. the movie here. Let's, uh, let's, let's talk about one of my first, <laughs> like, things that I noticed here. Um, you kind of mentioned it earlier. You alluded to it earlier. But, like, I feel like every time that they're in the computer world, like... I was like, I wonder if the if they're acting like intentionally wooden in order to like sound like computers or like robotic because it it kind of struck me. I was like, fuck, nobody has like any emotion or or anything. It's just like very flat, very well, they very wooden. They have an emotion. It's just very, it's very strange. It's very strange. I th- feel like it's intentional. It reminds me a little bit, a little bit of like. Uh, the lobster <laughs> or something. Have you seen that movie? No. Oh, okay. It reminds me of Colin Farrell and like them in the Lobster, or uh, what's the other guy's movie? I don't know. Th- there's uh, this one director. He's made a bunch of, I think, good movies, but like where they're set in kind of real world ish locations, but like the dialogue is so kind of stilted, but intentionally. And I feel like that's what they're going for. Um, but yeah, it feels very unnatural <laughs> for sure. Definitely like very, very robotic. I love it. Uh, I, which, I, which I kind of like. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So we're, so basically Flynn is, uh, he's, he's trying to get some evidence that, uh, that Dillinger stole his ideas for a video game. Him and Alan and Laura, uh, all break in and, uh, yeah, they're trying to they're trying to steal the evidence, and eventually the MCP digitizes Flynn in order to get him to uh, to stop hacking the system. It seems to me, first off, it seems to me that the MCP is is very powerful, and they're sneaking around the MCP's own building. So I was just like, it seems to me that they should like have cameras that could have spotted Flynn before he ever got to a point where like he could hack the MCP. These are primitive computers here. I I guess I guess, <laughs> um, um, but anyways, the yeah. So the pre- I I love the pre- that the premise at least on for 
the protagonist side, our main protagonist, is just about getting the credit for the video games he's made. Yeah. <laughs> I love the stakes of that. Though there's, I guess there's something more sinister going on with the, with the master computer. Um, I forgot what it was like trying to do, <laughs> but it was up to no good, let's just say. Yeah, we'll talk about the the MCP a little bit more in depth. Um, so basically, Flynn gets digitized, and he's kind of put in like a gladiator like arena, or like it's digital gladiator, where like he has to fight people to the death. And like, um, Sark is the main computer program that lives in uh, in the computer world. He's kind of like the MCP's henchman, and uh, they're trying to convince people that that the user is a lie. And I really liked how like. They talked about the user as like this kind of this this deity that lives outside the net. Yeah. It actually kind of reminded me of Reboot, which I've talked about on the show here before. Oh, hell um, yeah. But I, I kind of liked that a lot. Yeah, there's uh, I'm tr- I was trying to like I'm like trying to look into everything about this and be like, what is what does this mean? Because <laughs> I was like, there there is this element of like um like this worship for like the human you yeah. know, human users. I don't, yeah, I don't know what it's like totally getting at or if it's even meant to, but regardless, it's like, it's very interesting and I, there's a lot of cool moments in it due to like the character's interactions with Flynn that I kind of liked. You know, one thing that I should point out as well is that um, everybody in the computer world has a counterpart in the real world, except for Flynn who like exists, <laughs> yeah. sim- not, so- not simultaneously, but like he's in both. Uh, well, actually, that's not even true because uh, Flynn does have a counterpart uh, called Clue, except that Clue dies in like the first five minutes of the movie. But so you got like Alan in the real world and his counterpart is Tron, the program that he created. You have, <laughs> yes. uh, you have Laura, whose counterpart is Yori. You have Ed Dillinger, whose counterpart is Sark. So like everybody kind of has a, like a digitized doppelganger of themselves in this world, which I, I kind of like that, too, actually. Yeah, yeah, that it was a fun element. Like it was another thing where I was like, "What does this mean?" <laughs> but uh, it was so it was very interesting and cool. It was almost like uh, it reminded me a little bit at the end of like Wizard of Oz, where it's like, "And you were there, and you were there." <laughs> um, all right, so one of the one of the gladiator style games that uh, that Flynn is forced to play is a game of light cycle and everybody, even if you haven't seen Tron, I'm sure that you've seen this. It's like they're in their motorcycles and they have like the, the bridge of color that's being formed behind them. Um, it looks fucking awesome. I think. Yeah. The, yeah, it's pretty badass. Like it, like even all this time later, I think that it just looks like so cool. And like, I actually think that the light cycle from the original Tron looks cooler than like some of the, you know, more modern, uh, polished light cycle scenes from even uh, Tron Legacy. Something about like the the like old school graphics of this. I I just thought that they looked. It's, a, it's again. So it's cool. just so. It's so like cutting edge. It's 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 so groundbreaking and like cutting edge and and like like raw. I think is the right words. Like you you can again see like the seams of it. You know what I mean? It's it's not this like yeah. perfectly. It's not perfect if that makes sense, but it is perfect. It's just so, yeah, it's just so beautiful. <laughs> it's got, it's got like tons of character. And, and I think it looks like, I don't know. I, I just think it looks really cool. Maybe we're just old, like you said, goo, but man, I think it looks badass. 
Um, so they're they're in the light cycle arena, and the goal is to basically it's kind of like uh, what's that old game called Snake, where you have to basically get out of the way of the snake's tail, and you need to keep moving before you crash into yourself. Yeah. So it's kind of like Snake, where like you're you're trying to avoid crashing into someone else's like light cycle bridge, and eventually our boys Flynn, Tron, and Ram. Who I actually I can't remember who's Ram, who was Ram's counterpart in the real world, but it probably doesn't matter. <laughs> but they all break out and they're off the grid, and uh, you know Sark is looking for them, and he kind of he eventually finds them and he fucks them up a little bit. Tron gets uh, separated from the group, and our our poor boy Ram doesn't make it. And I think I was misremembering this because I. I thought that Ram did not get derezzed, but uh, I guess he did. Oh, you don't want to get derezzed either. <laughs> you know, I actually <laughs> forgot. So in, in Tron Legacy, the main theme is called derezzed by Daft Punk. Okay. And I, for, I forgot that that was the terminology for like death in the computer world. Because um, it's, it's probably been like, I don't know, a good 10 years since I've actually sat down and watched like the first Tron. So when uh, I saw that, I was like, "Oh yeah, cool." That's clicking with you. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't um, know that. That's cool. So yeah, and it's a. I'm, I'm sure if you heard it, you would recognize it from the from the theme or from banger. the movie because it was like a really yeah, it was a banger and like it was <laughs> it was used everywhere that summer, everywhere. So yeah, cool. Um, all right, so Tron is separated from them, but uh, he makes his way to. The main computer city, which actually looked kind of cool. I wouldn't mind seeing more of this. There were some uh, some pretty roll tide programs in that city. Did you notice them? Yeah, yeah. Well, I I don't quite remember, but yeah, it it was a it was quite to see uh, quite a visual. It was it was more visual than I remember it being. I kind of remember <laughs> most of the movie being like a, a sequence of hallways and stuff like that. And when we were in the city, I was just like, "Damn, this looks like fucking sweet." I wish that we could like explore around here, but like in the in the like original graphical style, you know? Yeah, it, it makes you want to see more, right? <laughs> yes. Uh yeah. So Flynn at this time is discovering that because he's like a programmer from the real world, he can actually manipulate the computer program like inside of the computer world. And like so I just finished watching The Matrix and I was like, God damn, the 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 Wachowskis totally ripped this idea off. I love it. Yeah, and there there's something like like he does feel very much like he's the one, you know what I mean? Maybe it's just because he Yeah. Not because of it's him specifically, because he's kind of there by circumstance, you know? But just the fact that he is like a human in this computer world and they kind of worship him. I think mm-hmm. it it I was gonna say that earlier. It kind of gave me that similar vibe of like he's so he's i mean that's that's what a lot of these movies try to do is like you're you know fantasy movies like you're you're the special one right (laughs) so but uh i don't know it comes off really cool here i I thought that it was i thought that it was pretty cool um and again it's not like it they kind of get away with it because like you said it's not like this big prophecy he's not we're not led to believe that he's like anyone particularly special other than that he's a human with programming knowledge so like that kind of makes him by default like on a i guess like a higher tier than all the programs there maybe yeah i kept thinking and i guess this movie still does have this it's just in smaller doses but it it kept making me think of like ready player one the movie and how obnoxious the character is and how it's like (laughs) 
you're you're special because you're a nerd or something um this had that too but uh i don't know maybe it's just because the actor jeff bridges portrayed the character in a cool way that it i don't find him obnoxious you know i still haven't had the courage to go and watch <laughs> ready player one we have i love the book to. but it's, it's gonna come up we're gonna have to pay the rent on that eventually i think yeah it was a bad call seeing that in theaters i didn't think it was gonna be good but i still shouldn't have gone yeah no i'm getting yeah. i was like i know what i'm getting into and it still wasn't worth the the toll it took on my life you know when when eventually we do cover that movie on virtual theater i'm sure that we will i'm gonna try and read or reread the book before then um even though i hate those guys that are just like well in the book this happened but i feel like maybe you know i feel like maybe i'm gonna be that guy when we cover that movie (laughs) all right (laughs) all right so let's let's kind of keep the story going here um flynn disguises himself as one of uh sark's guards and then tron meets yuri who is uh counterpart of his real life girlfriend at the input output tower and i thought that this scene was actually so cool so the input output tower is like this sacred place where the computer world can meet with the real world and it's i don't know it's almost presented as like like you go up there and like it's almost like there's a screen in between and like when the human is typing that's where the program like gets the information (laughs) yeah maybe that was just how like i kind of took it but i was like fuck like this this is kind of cool actually it's like a, like this religious experiment right yeah i thought it was awesome There's something about just like, like connecting with computers that i i don't know they're the it's not really doing that but i feel like like at, at this time and even well even more so today there's ever since any technology dawns there's always media that's like well aren't computers or isn't technology scary and this movie you know, plays on that a little bit, but then it also, uh, it also is interesting just cause again, I don't know if it's trying to say anything, but it, it shows like, it's weird. Cause like the computers are like subservient and worship humans. And like, you know, there's obviously one right. that wants to do bad stuff or something, but then it's like, we're also like making out with the computer programs. Like, I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> it's definitely weird. I, I thought that that scene was like really cool. And I, I was kind of digging the religious undertones yeah. in the movie and like they were, they were working for me. And I think that like that can be cheesy in a movie. Like, it, like even in the matrix at times it works, but at times it's also like very heavy handed and cheesy. Uh-huh. And I, I feel like this one kind of walked that line in a much uh, straighter path, I guess you could say, and didn't veer off, you know, either. <laughs> To one side too much. Maybe it just works in this one because I feel like they're not thinking about it too hard. You know, they're just it's, yeah, it, maybe yeah. They're just like, what if you went in a computer? What if, what if you made out with the computer program? I don't know. <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, Tron gets a code disc, which is one of those badass like frisbees that they have that he's fucking throwing at people. Oh, yeah. Captain America's shield, actually. Yeah, so sick. <laughs> Uh, roll tight on that. So he gets a code disc that will destroy the MCP if he can shoot that code disc into the MCP's heart, which is a tall order because I guess the MCP <laughs> lives in like, I, I don't know, it looks like he lives in the middle of nowhere. They actually ride this like really cool looking boat across. I call it a sea, but I, I don't know what it is. So they're riding this boat called the Solar Sailor 
And yes. I, again, this this scene was so cool, man, because it's like they're riding over this this ocean of like nothingness to get to the center like core program. I thought that, I don't know. I thought it looked so cool. Isn't it kind of cool too that it it doesn't have like like a specific analog to real life? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I think of some movies. This is, I don't know why this came up, but like it's cool in some movies where you're like maybe inside computer or, or no, I'm thinking of how about like um Inside Out the Pixar movie or like uh I don't know movies like that where you're like inside a human body you know and you're like what are what are what's their life like and they they kind of right. explain a lot of things analogous to real reality and maybe that's easier to do because like you can kind of grasp how like what a human body does a little bit better than what a computer does. But there's something so like cool about like, like, I don't know. I don't know why they have a boat that goes across this, this sea or whatever, you know, like, but I, I don't know. I don't, maybe they say something about it, but like, I kind of don't need to know, you know, it's just cool. <laughs> it's, you know, yeah, I just love the image of it. I mean, the image is awesome, but like kind of thinking about it in a, in a context way too, like, I wonder, like, I wonder how long that that takes in, in like, the universe's time. Because, like, you got to think, like, you're in a computer. It probably takes place in, like, the blink of an eye, actually. It just seems like a long time because they're in the computer. Maybe, I yeah. thought that that was kind of cool, too, that, like, maybe it's just, like, like everything's happening really fast. Because, I mean, skipping to the end of the movie, like, it doesn't seem like hardly any time has passed at all. That's got to be true, because, like, it's not, it does not seem efficient to get information from the users by like climbing this tower or whatever you know going there yeah so it must yeah that must be it but so i don't I, think I they go out of their way to so like cool. let you know that which is fine like oh yeah. yeah i think it's i actually think it's cool that it doesn't make sense you know what i mean yeah i i just think that like i i think that time probably just moves a lot slower when you're in the computer because the computer yeah. would move so fast that they just wanted to slow it down to show you what's actually happening, which I thought was cool. Cause like when you think about it, um, Flynn is supposed to hack. So the original plan when they break in is Flynn was supposed to hack in to the system. And then he would let Alan know, like he was like, he was just like, be ready because I'll tell you when you can activate Tron. And, uh, you know, like it takes Tron a while to get to the input output tower, but like you, you kind of see Flynn activate this program before, you know, he gets sucked in. And then you would assume that, that Alan makes that input like right away, but it takes Tron like forever to actually get to that tower. So I don't know, just kind of a cool little tidbit, I guess, or or thing that I thought about. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah. Um, so they're they're going across the sea here. Um, Tron is their their ship is actually attacked, and uh, Sark, you know, he sinks him to the bottom of this digital ocean. We were led to believe that Tron has perished, although he hasn't. In fact, Tron makes it back. They finally get to the center core. Tron has a big fight with Sark. They have one final confrontation, and uh, Tron fatally wounds Sark. But then I I love this scene, Goo, and I I feel like you did too. <laughs> The MCP is like, I give you all my functions to Sark, and he turns into this big fucking giant, which was awesome. <laughs> yeah. I loved it. Yeah, and he looks it was like, so sick. It was such a clunky battle. I thought it was great. Yeah, it was it was a it was a sight to behold. It was beautiful. 
Uh, so Flynn, I, I don't know what the fuck Flynn is doing here. He just jumps from the sky and he like he jumps into the MCP's kind of <laughs> mid mid light tube, which distracts Sark and the MCP, and then Tron nails him with the code disc, and that's all she wrote for the MCP. Yeah, so what? Kind of a, what kind of a weird ending. I forgot what the MCP like wanted. What was it? Did it just want to like take over the world or something? Uh, yeah, uh, basically, yeah. So <laughs> I forgot. Um, so the MCP was was expanding its knowledge. Like it basically just wanted more and more knowledge. Um, you know, you you hear at one point the MCP saying that he's tired of kind of assimilating the, the knowledge or information of corporations. He's going to hack like the Pentagon. He's going to hack the Kremlin, uh, which I fucking loved. But uh, I mean, basically, yeah. he's just he's kind of like your typical AI that's like. Like I can run things better than humans can because I'm more efficient, kind of deal. Yeah, maybe, maybe he can. I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, I guess he he, he was. Uh, yeah, I guess he was uh, screwing people over though. So, well, not anymore. The MCP is dead, and light is restored to the digital world. Flynn is transported back into the real <laughs> world, and he even has the evidence that Dillinger stole his video game, and uh, it for some reason. He then becomes the new CEO of Encom. Yes, it's so funny. That's another <laughs> thing that reminded me of like the annoying aspect of Ready Player One, where it's like I think, where it's like you're you're a dork and you're oppressed by the man, uh, but you're actually cool and you get to be the boss of everyone at the end. You know, it's like so I don't know. It doesn't I don't know. It doesn't uh, ring true to me. I guess or like it doesn't connect with me that it's like and now he's the ceo of the company like great <laughs> that's great good for him okay yeah pretty much <laughs> like sure um and it just like so, literally ends with them like laughing together for a second or something and it's like fade fade to black or whatever so i don't know if you agree with this but like and the reason again that i kind of blitz through the plot like that is because i feel like everyone's seen tron but also because I feel like Tron, the plot is like the least important part of this movie because it's like, yeah, it's like an okay plot. I think that there's some really cool character moments, which we'll get into. But like this kind of reminds me of Avatar, like James Cameron's Avatar in that okay, like, yeah. story. The story and the characters are like, they're okay. You know, they're they're whatever. But like the draw is the world. Like, the draw is the visuals of the world and, like, seeing the world in motion and, like, that world come to life. Like, it, it kind of reminded me in the same way of Avatar, which is a movie that I like a lot, but not because it's, like, this great story or has, you know, really relatable characters or anything like that. It just looks so breathtaking, which I, I feel like is very much Tron's M.O. Yeah, it gets by big time on the visuals, but I and I, I think it just contains, like, just enough like even if it's like kind of boilerplate basic like just thought provoking imagery and and moments that kind of carry the movie and make it interesting the whole time mm -hmm. and just yeah and again just having this world not just like the visuals but just the world and the way the characters act and are kind of weird like it all sells it for me yeah i i think that you know, there's definitely some cool character moments, which, you know, like I said, we'll get into in a second here. But 
the the overall plot to me is like very much secondary to like the look and feel of the actual world itself. And I, I think that that's why like Tron is persisted because because of the world that it built right and like the potential and the premise of it rather than like because it was you know this this great movie and i'm not saying that it's not a great movie but like the the idea of it i think is like better than maybe the execution i don't know if i said that right but i I hope you guys are understanding what i'm trying to say i i actually i remember reading over i think i saw it on wikipedia was roger ebert's review of it i thought hit the nail on the head where he's talking about yeah how just how i think he said it's glamorous or something like this it's like you know a, a visual treat but uh you know it's I, he said, like, it's not a movie about humans or human nature or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't maybe that's why going back to the ending, it doesn't really connect with me. It's just like, well, and then he's like the boss, you know, like, yeah, because like, who cares? Yeah, it's it's about a guy trying to get credit for his video games he made. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe the saying the whole is greater than the sum of its parts fits here. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think that could fit. Um, let's talk about the music really quick. We haven't really talked about uh, the music a whole lot. So obviously we know that Tron Legacy is going to come out many, many years later and that Daft Punk is going to be a huge part of that movie. Um, even even the most uh, the harshest critics of Tron Legacy would have to admit that <laughs> that soundtrack was wicked. Uh, you know, this movie, it obviously doesn't have the same kind of uh, <laughs> soundtrack. But I think that it works for what it has. It kind of sounds like computery and video gamey, and uh, it's not like it's not like overbearing at all. But I, I think that where it is, it, it kind of worked for me. Yeah, no, I, and it it was done by uh, Wendy something. Uh, she's like a pioneer of like synth music. Um, I gotta look this up now. So it's it's funny you say that because actually one of my. One of my favorite synth artists named is Trevor something. And like, that's a stage name, Trevor <laughs> oh. something. <laughs> Whoops. And this dude fucking rocks. If you like synth music, you got to check out Trevor something. Okay. Wh- Maybe related to Wendy. When, no, it's uh, th- like, I, I couldn't think of her last name. It's Wendy Car- <laughs> Carlos. <laughs> there you um, go. Not related to yeah, Trevor she's, something. She's like a pioneer of, uh, of uh, synth music. And she also scored uh, Clockwork Orange and The Shining. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's actually kind of masterful in this, um, because it, 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 again, it, it, it is analogous to me with the visual effects compared to this and Tron legacy or whatever, where, um, it just like, what's, what's the word? It's it just, it's so much more cutting edge. You know what I mean? Like, like, of course the Tron legacy soundtrack is awesome, but like, to me, this feels like it's moving the needle and pushing the envelope in a lot of cool ways anyway, you know? Yeah, I, I totally dig that. Um, okay, so let's talk about some of the actual characters themselves and get into some of the things that like that we noticed about them. Because I think that uh, particularly with like Alan and Dillinger, um, I think that there is a lot of like interesting little tidbits and how like their real life character is compared to their digital character. And then Flynn is kind of a, an interesting character in and of him, himself as well. So yeah. I, I think that there's a lot of meat on the bone here. Um, and you know, when we did John wick, we started off with the less important characters and built our way up to the most important, 
But Goo, I'll give you the the choice. Do you want to start off with our most important to go down, or do you want to start off uh, the other let's, way? Let's switch it up. We'll switch it up. Let's talk about most right. important. <laughs> let's talk about Kevin Flynn. And he also plays Clue, like I said. And, you know, poor Clue, he died about like six seconds into this movie. But he had a really cool fucking looking tank yeah. at the beginning of that movie. Yeah, he was rocking that tank for sure. And he had Bit, which was like a floating... Oh yeah, it was like Navi. ...little thing. <laughs> yeah, like Navi. I was going to say like Sprite from the Zelda cartoon, <laughs> yeah, but Navi, keep it on Navi probably works better. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, you know, what? I was, I was all about bit when, when bit went away, I was kind of sad, but I was very happy to see bit come back later yeah, in the movie. I totally forgot and, and, about that. That's great. Like speaking a bit, actually, we were talking about how, uh, you know, he was doing his best, uh, Han Solo impersonation when bit was in the movie and Flynn finds bit and he's, he's talking a bit. I was just like, holy fuck. Does this ever remind me of Han Solo talking to like, Chewbacca or oh, R2D sure, or something. Because, yeah. like, he, all he could say is yes or no. And I was like, and you know how, well, like, when you talk to robots or whatever in Star Wars, you kind of have to have that type of dialogue where it's like, yes, R2, I did do blah, 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 blah. And you can't just say, like, yes, I did or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it feels like, like he's talking He's got, like, the to same your, uh, gimmick going on. It feels like talking to, like, a Google Home, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So, him, and, him and Bit had the exact same gimmick as... As Han and Chewie, he looked like him. He was talking like him. He was acting like him. Fuck. Look, Disney. Disney has always been trying to Disney for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so, dude, when so like I was kind of alluding to earlier, the first thing that I wrote down about Flynn is like I would love to party at his arcade. It looks so. So popping yeah. in that arcade. Oh, you know, again, that's like it's like they made. He's the hero, right? And and he's they want him to be relatable to all the all the video game lovers that watch the movie. And so it's like he has to have like everyone's dream arcade, right? Oh man, it, it looks so cool. And like you know, this is kind of a side tangent here, but like one of the reasons that I love synthwave music is because it can make you like nostalgic for a time that like you weren't even alive for it reminds me of like the 80s and like arcades and stuff like that but like seeing this man i was just like fuck i would like i would have loved to be like a teenager in the 80s when like the arcade bars were were big and stuff like that that would have been so cool most of them weren't this lit up and exciting you know (laughs) a lot of them were more dingy i would think but uh, even at the I, time, I feel like if I if I was like like twenty five year old in nineteen eighty two, I would have opened an arcade bar like this. By God, somehow so, I would have made it poppin'. Doesn't that make you think he went from being this cool guy owner of this awesome joint to now he's got to wear a suit and like w- like go to board meetings and stuff? Like, kind of lame, actually. <laughs> A little bit, yeah. And uh, I would suspect, first of all, that he'd be like the type of CEO that's like, I'm not wearing a suit. Yeah. This is my company. But then also, I'm just like, at the end of the movie, uh, I, I mean, I'm just like, whatever, who cares? Like, he's he's the fucking CEO, sure. However, just because you are a excellent programmer, you could be the best programmer in the entire world, the best one that's ever lived, that does not 
make you fit to run a company. Like, that is a recipe for a disaster. Yeah, it's a bit of a fantasy, for sure. <laughs> but uh, also, like, whatever, I guess. I, Who cares? Yeah, I just, like, I don't know if they ever really established, like, if there was something, like, any downside to what he was doing in the beginning, but, like, his life seemed awesome. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, unless I missed, I, I could be forgetting something, but, like, it seemed like, okay, yeah, he he's he's got some problems with his ex or whatever. Like he, you know, he's definitely maybe a bit of a, of a child, (laughs) but, uh, I don't know. It seems she, she does have that good line about how all of his friends are like 14 year olds. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe that's the problem. (laughs) I, I never liked though, when the, like, that's, that's a fair character trait to set up of like the adult man or like the baby man who needs to grow up or whatever. But I, yeah. I hate when the answer is, like, they have to become a suit, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I, I agree with you, man. I think his bar was sweet. He had that wicked pad upstairs, <laughs> the bed on the floor. He's just got to stay away from the 14-year-olds, and it'll be fine. Uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, that, that line is kind of nefarious <laughs> now that I think about it. Um, but you know what? I, I want to talk about, like, one one moment, or, like, I guess, like, one thing that stuck out to me about Flynn is like they they kind of present him as like this cool dude but like he also to me seems very like selfish and and self-centered because like like really he like his entire his entire like story arc is is motivated by vanity and him wanting to be recognized for you know his his creation which i mean it isn't a bad thing but also it's not like he's like living on the streets or anything like he's got an okay kind of get up like he's just he wants that credit and like he seems very very vain very selfish um like i mean he's he's like openly hitting on uh laura who is dating alan yeah. um so like to, to me i was i was watching and uh in the scene when when they're in the computer and he's he's dueling with someone else they're in like the gladiator and he's like no i'm not gonna kill you i don't know i i was just like i think i would believe that he would kill him to like save himself like he he hadn't earned that character moment for me yet where i was just like you know what i mean where he's like no like i'm not i'm not doing this to me like the flynn that we've been presented with probably would have And, and again i'm probably like reading way too much into what's you know a disney movie at heart but um it it did to me, it didn't seem like Flynn was like the ultimate good guy, as maybe the movie well, if it, presented him as. Yeah, if it was a Disney movie now, they would have hammered that home a little bit more. It would be about like his journey, like he would have been like Star Lord or something. You know, what I mean, <laughs> like mm-hmm. yeah, like he has to learn to grow up and not and like take responsibility or something like that. You know, and so like it starts off like that, and then over the course of the movie becomes a good guy or whatever. You know, he's your protagonist, but he's he's got issues, but they really it didn't really go that way. And 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 as far as like getting the credit, like I am I'm all for there's a lot of, you know, sci fi, especially in this era about like we got to take down the evil corporation. But uh, it really didn't seem like there was much problem with the corporation. It just it just needed the right boss, apparently. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, uh, like, yeah. I actually, I I don't mind that either because it seems in a way more realistic to me that like the entire corporation itself wasn't evil, but like the, 
the main, the one guy was evil. And because he was in that position, he then built this framework, the MCP, which, you know, was kind of like an evil thing. So it wasn't necessarily that like everybody in this, uh, in NCOM is like a, a bad guy. It's just like they have a bad apple at the head of it, which kind of bleeds down. So I, I actually didn't mind that. I just feel like it. I don't know. It doesn't ring. Uh, it it doesn't. I guess connect with me as much when it's like, it, especially because it was like. Well, I guess you could say it's like it got out of hand, but it's like then it was like the computer took control, which I guess could be actually be kind of cool. Where it's like your greed uh, made you create this thing that now you're ensnared to, you know? Because it was like blackmailing him. Mm-hmm. That could be cool, but it didn't really. I don't know. It didn't really hit as hard for me. Any of the real world stuff didn't really hit that hard for me. I, I was going to say, like, the movie, when it's in the real world, it's definitely not as cool. With the exception, of course, of Flynn's Arcade. That place is place absolutely is lit. Yeah. Yeah. But for the most part, the real world stuff, uh, especially when they're in the building, doesn't, uh, I don't want to say it doesn't matter as much, but like, it's less interesting to me. Um, one thing before we move on from Flynn, tell me if you notice this too. This dude is so touchy with Laura and Yuri. Like, he is all over this girl. Like, it, like every scene, he's touching her, like, grabbing her arm. Just, like, uh, like super touchy. Flynn, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know... Flynn... I, I, we're, we're now, now that we're talking about it, we're, like, really getting into Flynn's... Some of his actual issues, I think. He's kind of skeezy in a way. Yeah. You know, that it, it does make me, maybe because we were talking about Han Solo, it, you know, it makes me think a lot about a lot of uh, Harrison Ford's characters are similar in that, like, uh, I think of, like, Indiana Jones, like, whipping, using his whip to, like, you know, pull the pull the girl close to him and and make out with her or whatever, you know, kind of like forcing her to kiss him and stuff like that. And it being like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think it's supposed to be like that, where it's like, he's a cool guy. He, he's he got away with the ladies, but like in our, you know, the way we look at it now is like, he's a little bit of like <laughs> a pervert or, you know, he's a little, he's a little skeezy. Yeah. yeah. He, you know what? I, I think like the whole thing is like, I, like when I was watching this movie and I remember thinking this way, like the first time I watched it too, I think that Flynn is like a, a decent enough character, but I, I'm not sure that he's particularly likable actually. Yeah. For me. Yeah. I think he's meant to come off as like a cool guy, you know, but like, I, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things actually where you like rewatch. There's, I feel like there's a lot of, I think I had a friend who put this about like a lot of like, uh, characters that like Bill Murray played. Where it's like at the time it was like, oh, he's cool. He's like, he's like dumping on everyone. He's funny. Uh, But now you watch it now and you're like, he's just kind of like a weird freak who's also an asshole. You know, (laughs) like it doesn't, it's not, it, it, it doesn't have that charm. (laughs) I don't know. Well, Flynn eventually gets uh, the credit for the game he created, Space Paranoids, which is a cool fucking name, actually. I'd play that. Uh, they actually made a real game based off that, didn't they? Oh, really? They made the Space Paranoids game? I, I think don't know. so. I could be that wrong. That sounds sick. I'd play it. 
But yeah, so anyways, this guy, uh, he eventually gets the credit and he becomes a CEO and he is back in Tron Legacy. So I'm looking forward to diving more into uh, Flynn then because I think they actually kind of lean into him not being the most likable guy in Tron Legacy, which is kind of cool. Oh, that could um, be cool. Let's move on and let's talk about Tron uh, slash Alan. And uh, for every, everybody needing a refresher, Alan is uh, is the dude who is uh, building Tron in the real world. Tron is a security program that's basically going to rein in the, the MCP and make sure that he doesn't get too out of control. And the MCP is trying to obviously prevent that. So I, when I was like, when I was watching this, I was like, dude, Alan is so awkward. He he seems like that typical like bitter kind of boyfriend that's like, oh, this girl's ex is way cooler than me. Um, it, it actually it reminded me of the way that for a long time, uh, people would portray Cyclops from X Men. Okay, because like Jean Jean Grey <laughs> sure. was dating him, but everybody knew that she Especially wanted to movies. like hook up with right. Wolverine. Yeah, this dude <laughs> was like super awkward to me. So do you, uh, yeah, it felt like maybe they're trying to do a thing of like they all work together and then they kind of have an understanding by the end. You know, it's like he gets to go in the compute. I'm I'm thinking too much about it probably, but it's like he goes to the computer ro- world. He gets to make out with his girlfriend who's now a computer, and also like his the guy he's like maybe has the the standoffishness with is like the save. He's the actual savior in this game you know he's like the program built to fight the bad guy and through doing that he comes to be closer to his friends or something i don't know i don't know like i guess the movie never really answers this question (laughs) but i'm assuming i'm gonna tell you what i think it's like it, it seems to me that that Alan shouldn't know what happened in the computer world because Tron is a different program, even though it's the same actor and like he acknowledges his user. So like that bonding moment that, you know, Tron and Flynn have shouldn't necessarily cross over to the bonding moment that Alan and Flynn have. And there's no reason for that moment to ever exist because like it, it, so Alan is is at the arcade and he's like very apprehensive about being there. And all of a sudden the dude is just like, okay, well, I guess I'm ready to trust you. Let's break into my place of work and, like, steal evidence. And to me, I was just that, like, that seems like it, it was going way too fast for me. That seems okay to me because it's like they both have a, a goal they want to achieve. But then, like, but then the story and to me, the story ends when with them when they're in the computer, you know, like, because, like you said, they're separate, you know. So, I mean, I guess it's good we don't really get much of a post- computer tron world scene you know like it's just them like kind of smiling or whatever like anything can i guess be inferred from that though i think we're supposed to understand now like they're all happy and friends or something you know Uh, alan also comes back in in tron legacy so i know that uh i know that he plays a a kind of big role in that movie yeah i think that tron i'm sorry go ahead i was gonna say bruce uh box He's he's had a he's had an extensive career in like voice acting and stuff, and I think now he's he's got like a cool voice, so it'd be I think he could do some cool stuff. We gotta watch the next Tron for sure. Absolutely. Um, I wish I actually wouldn't have canceled my Disney Plus because I'm I was in the mood to watch it, and I definitely don't own it. We'll, oh, we'll well. go to the the crime store for that one. 
<laughs> yes, the old crime store. I, I know a guy who knows a guy. Uh, I, I think that Tron is like immediately way cooler than Alan, and maybe it's because like Tron yeah. is like the hero and the sa- like he's kind of like Flynn is kind of presented as a savior, but like you said, it's really Tron that's doing like the like the the dirty work and like he's fighting the evil guys and like he gets the the code disc and he is the one that inserts it it's like really like tron more or less saved the day it wasn't you know it wasn't flynn necessarily um so i i thought that he was like way cooler than him and he's also doing some pretty sick shit in there too you know what i actually just thought of i was about to say that the sick shit he's doing reminds me of captain america like throwing a shield and stuff like that okay do these guys not remind you of captain america and iron man uh i guess so yeah <laughs> the, the, do you, you, can you see that like the personality wise you mean yeah just like one of them's kind of straight laced the other oh, one's sure. a little bit more on the wild side like it's a classic uh, a dichotomy faster, for sure yeah i was gonna say tron is like cooler by design you know what i mean like he's supposed to be like that that makes sense to me like i think you're supposed to like him more you know i I think it's supposed to be like you're supposed to get that feeling of like, wow, this guy is real. He's real stuck up or whatever. And then you go meet the computer version of him. And it's like, wow, he's a he's a saint. You know, he's a hero. Yeah, I don't know. He's <laughs> he's definitely cooler than Alan is. That's for sure. Um, and, and also, he seems like he's way more uh, expressive might be the right word too. like because like most of the computer programs are pretty like, uh, wooden as we were talking about earlier and like tron he's like he's smiling he's like hugging people he's he's emoting more so i i noticed that actually when i was watching the movie that how he was one of the few like computer characters that seemed to like be expressive that makes sense like the other ones it's like an accounting program or something like that something boring and then he's like specifically programmed to like take down the evil program you know he he's like a hero program basically yeah, he was he was really cool, and I actually I kind of liked the idea when I was thinking about it. And again, I was thinking way too much into it because this is just like a Disney movie. But I was like, yeah, that's that's a really cool concept. Of like, Tron is this advanced program, and because he's so advanced, he's like showing more human emotion and stuff. And maybe it can like, continue to evolve and like blur the lines or whatever. But uh, that's probably definitely not what they were going for in the movie. Yeah. But I was thinking <laughs> about that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Laura and Yori. I feel like she got the absolute short stick in this well, movie. That's, that's no surprise, right? Because it's the it's yeah. the girlfriend role. It's a th- such a thankless, yeah. It, it is truly a thankless role she's given. I mean, honestly, the the only reason that she's here is to a you know have have a way to explain how stuff gets digitized from the real world to the computer world, and then b kind of be like basically something for the hero to i don't know obtain maybe yeah not a, not a good word but maybe be the right word in this yeah it does feel uh, like again it's like oh i can't be with this person but uh yeah he gets to make out with the computer version of her who is totally in, into him you know dude so all right so we're in the computer right and yori <laughs> is for sure the girlfriend of tron and Tron in the computer world is this this badass dude. He is like this the savior program, and he's got this girl Yori, 
Tron has been dead for like two minutes and she's making out with Flynn. And I was just like, what? It's what is little, happening yeah, here? You know, computers act a little differently. <laughs> and uh, then. Sorry, go ahead. And then Tron comes back and she is making out with him like immediately after. I was I was just like, God damn you. You you stick and drawn in the back like that. Look, computer programs are a bit more open. <laughs> I guess. I, I don't know. I guess. Anyways, she she unfortunately she got the short end of the stick in this movie. She didn't really have a lot to contribute, unfortunately. And I uh it's too bad because I'm actually I'm not sure if she's in Tron Legacy or not, but uh I don't know. I, I mean, unfortunately, you probably wouldn't miss her if she wasn't, because she really didn't add a whole lot to this to this particular movie. Yeah. Which I think they actually do make up in Tron Legacy, because there are some cool female characters in that movie. Yeah. Not in this one. And again, I like for some reason, I like the idea that they were just like, especially because it's like it's not like a movie where it's like he went to this world where and he discovered like there's so much like me. You know what I mean? Like like he definitely like fought you definitely see like okay there's some like oppression in their world that they're fighting against and it it does like make you like i don't know relate or something like empathize with the programs in a way but i like the idea that he went to this world with like everyone acts weird and like they they feel not human but they look human and yet he uh he made out with the computer I don't know why I like it, but it, it's just so weird. <laughs> it's like, what? it is weird. I don't know. I, I was, I was just like, okay, well, I, I don't know. When, when she was just like making out with both of them at the end, I was just kind of like, it just really amplified to me how much <laughs> like she was just there to like serve the, like the main hero characters. Yeah. Oh, totally. And I was just like, yeah, okay, whatever. That kind of sucks, but uh, it, it's not an offensive role or anything. Do you, she she was fine. Do you have uh do you have like the guys they were like traveling with as like characters to talk about? Uh very no. briefly, very briefly. Well, I just realized cuz I was like there's not a lot of like humanizing in this, you know, like even when you see them in jail, like it it's right. very like weird and I feel like it works, but I did one thing that really I don't know did stick out to me was like when the one guy was like dying and Flynn tells him he's a yeah. user or whatever. Uh, okay, well, let's let's yeah. just talk about Ram right now, because I, I did have some stuff for him, so okay, let's just yeah. jump over Go there. Um, so I I actually loved that Ram was, like, an insurance program. He's talking about, like, annuities and, like, bonds and stuff like that with Flynn at the beginning. I thought that, that was really funny. Yeah, that was cool. But, yeah, they, this was sad when he died, and I wrote this down. Tell me if you agree with it. He reminded me... Of the kid from the Matrix who was like in love with Neo because Neo saved him at one point. Sure. Do you remember yeah, that guy yeah. from the Matrix Reloaded? Yeah, I can see that. that was, yeah, that was kind of sad when he died. Like I was talking about earlier, I didn't. I thought that he actually made it. I didn't remember yeah, there, there, anybody dying in here. There's something about like him dying and having, but like while having this like religious experience is like is some. I don't know. It was a. Uh, it just was stuck out to me. It really made me feel something i don't know what yeah you know i thought that uh that he he did a good job with what he had and i i don't know the actor that played him but like and i can't remember his 
real world counterpart in movie. Oh, but like yeah. he kind of had this uh it's like very wide-eyed like bright optimistic view which I, I think like kind of helped sh- I think it helped humanize the programs as not being like these like soulless monsters or whatever mm-hmm. down in there. Yeah, yeah. Um so I think I think that the he in particular did a good job with that. Uh you know, while we're talking about the side characters too, let's just can we talk about Dumont for a second? Okay. Like a quick second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The du- so this dude is the counterpart of uh, of Laura's boss in the real world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Laura's boss actually founded MCOM, but he's basically been pushed out by Dillinger. And Dumont is like a fucking wizard in the computer world. He looks like an old wizard. He's guarding like the input-output tower. <laughs> I, I thought it was so... I don't know. I thought it was very charming. It was very funny. It was a very small role. But I something something about it like kind of tickled me. The design me. was very good, very yeah, funny. It, it was funny. So shout out to Dumont. Uh, I can't remember what happened to him. I think he's <laughs> being tortured or something. Was he de-rest? I don't know. Uh, if if he was, rest in peace, Dooms. Um, okay, let's talk about what I think is actually one of the low key most interesting characters in this movie. Maybe the most interesting, which is Sark uh, slash uh, Ed Dillinger. And I think that, the, first of all, this guy has, like, awesome lines. Uh, yeah, at the, the very yeah. beginning, where, where the MCP is like, you're getting needlessly vicious and sadistic. And he's like, thank you. I, that, <laughs> that is, like, an all-time classic line. Yeah, that's good good villain stuff there. Oh, man. But, like, so I think that, I think that Sark in particular um, really kind of, to me, it stuck out with, like, the... Uh, like the the similarities between the computer version of of him and like the real world version of him because like you see you see the mcp tell sark that flynn is in the is in the computer world and that he's a user and like sark is very intimidated by flynn because like he's a user and he's not a computer program which like you have the dichotomy of like dillinger being very intimidated by flynn in the real world because he knows that he's a better programmer and he's smarter than him so like I thought that, that was kind of an interesting, like yeah. little thing that they had going on. Okay, yeah, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't think about that. I like that. Um, and then like the other part that stuck out to me too is like, you know, he Sark Sark in a way to me could have been like a redeemable character in the end, but he he kind of wasn't, but um, he could have been, I think. Uh, and it and it's worth pointing out too that like just like Dillinger was kind of like you could see Dillinger push back against the MCP in the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I I feel like Sark kind of starts to do the same thing in the computer world because like at one point Sark is just like let's just kill him now and like that would have been the smart thing to do but the MCP said no and then like at uh, you know you see the MCP like torturing Sark at one point in the movie because he hasn't killed Flynn yet, even though he wanted to kill him when he had him in his grasp. So I, I thought again that like the the dichotomy where like both of them were kind of pushing back against the MCP a little bit towards the end yeah. is kinda interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a dynamic I didn't even really pick up on, but I like I like that. I like your uh your look at it. That's cool. I, I feel like maybe a part of Sark like I don't know, allowed uh, allowed him to be defeated by Tron, maybe in a way. I don't know. I, I just thought he's a very cool character, and he's an underrated Disney villain because, like, you never hear anybody talk about Sark. Like, you hear him talk about Tron for the visuals, but like, you know, I in terms yeah. of characters, 
I think that he's actually like a cooler character than than almost anyone in the movie. I think he's I think he's solid. Um, I don't know. I th- yeah, I think most of the people do like they're solid in general, though. But like, yeah, he doesn't he doesn't transcend for me. But I do like I do like what you're picking up on. That's pretty cool. All right, so let's talk about the MCP himself. Like we were talking yeah. about, this is your standard uh, AI that's taken over everything. He says he's going to hack the Pentagon and the Kremlin. <laughs> Hell yeah. I love this dude, man. The, his, his fucking face in the computer world oh, is face. unbelievable. Yeah. How could I forget the face? Oh my god, this was something else. By the way, everyone listening, if you are hearing some shit in the background, it's because it just the sky just opened up and it started to hail like a motherfucker. Oh man. Right behind oh, me. Oh no! Yeah. So sorry. It's okay. We're we're anyway. far enough in that there. I think you're on the ride with us. You know. Yeah, you're 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 gonna stay till the end, and we're almost <laughs> at the end. But yeah, man, this this face. It's like you know what this face is. It's when you have an image in Google Paint, and you it's a square image, and you stretch it all the way to the right, <laughs> and then you scrunch it all the way down to the bottom. <laughs> Hell yeah! Uh, that's that is a face, a maniacal face that I want to make my profile photo. Oh, I'm surprised that that thing hasn't popped up on your, oh, on yeah. your Twitter yet. No, don't worry, I'm currently googling, image searching. Um, so I I was just like, dude, this was a pretty shite way, like a pretty dumb way for this computer to die for like being such a smart, intelligent being. Like he literally just like let. The heroes come to his his house basically and like kill him with minimal resistance. There's like there was only Sark and there was nobody else. There's no tanks. There's no planes. There's no backup guards. I was just I was just like I'm like I'm not really concerned with the story that much, but I'm like, dude, like you could have put up a little bit of a fight at least. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. You know, I think I think he did what he could as as a as this face. You know. <laughs> well, I just uh, I just found one hell of a picture of uh, the MCP's I, face. So I love this. I, I I can't get over it. He looks like um looks like Zordon from Power Rangers. Kind of looks like the Kool Aid Man, actually, a little bit. You see? Do you yeah. get that? Yeah. Oh yeah. As they say, um, I just posted that in the virtual theater Discord. It, everybody, so do uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you're not a member of our Discord, you are missing out. Um, okay, Goo, let's let's just uh I think that's about all the character moments and, and beats from yeah. the movie here. Let's uh let's get to the real uh you know question that everybody wants to know. Does this movie for you hold up still in the year twenty twenty, almost forty years after it was released? Yeah, I absolutely. I you know, we talked about some of the weirder things in it, like the you know, aspects of his character, uh whatever Flynn's character. But uh, you know, I don't think that takes away from it. In fact, I I think it makes it more interesting when you try and think about what his deal is, <laughs> whether the movie has any interest in talking about that as character. From a visual perspective, yeah, I think it holds up. Um it's been a while since I've seen Tron Legacy, but I I feel like I already think that it probably looks better. <laughs> um and yeah, I think it looks better than uh, most movies now. <laughs> so yeah, I love it. You took the words out of my mouth, man. I think it looks like the style is so timeless to me that it it could hold up now. It could hold up 20 years from now. It could hold up 
you know, on the hundred year anniversary. I just think it looks really cool. Um, and it's got such a, such a character, I think Reminds me uh, of, that, that really is timeless. Makes me think of, I, I got another analogy when you hear like a, like a super professional band do like a cover of like some classic song and it's like, yeah, they, ex- they expertly played it. You know what I mean? It, it sounds, mm. you know, and it's produced top notch quality, but like it doesn't have, just doesn't have that initial uh, energy and creativity in there, you know? And this movie has, that. I would agree with that. Totally has that. And it's funny too, because like we were talking about how it's on kind of the, the bubble of like video game movies. It, this was like a movie about video games that, you know, video games were created from this movie. The movie didn't do very well. So it lived on through video games and through the video games, it did well enough to create another movie. So it's, it's got kind of a weird, yeah. like it's got a weird way about it, which I love. I would, I would bet also just like home video probably helped a lot with this you know like imagine watching that i've if i had this tape as a kid which i didn't but if i did i would have watched it all all day every day you know yeah i agree with that um so this seems like elementary here but goo thumbs up or thumbs down thumbs up absolutely thumbs way fucking up and uh, i hope that you guys gave this episode a thumbs up as well uh, you know, I loved going back and, and re-watching Tron. It's been a while, and I'm definitely going to watch Tron Legacy soon. And, you know, I hope that uh, we've inspired you guys to, if you've never checked out Tron, to go and watch it. Or if you haven't seen it in a while, to, uh, to fire it up again over on Disney+. Plus. Well, we are going to be back next episode covering oh, yeah. Animal Crossing, the movie, <laughs> which which won in a landslide, actually. So I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that because I have no idea what to expect. Uh, I haven't watched it yet, and I probably won't until the day before we record it. So I'm looking forward to that one. But as always, we are going to give you poll options for the next movie that we cover over on Twitter. You can check us out at Virtual Theater X. Goo, should we go down the list here and read off what's coming up? This is a classic lineup. Let's do it. This, this is good. And you know what? The thing is, is that one of these movies has to win because I think they've all lost before. So here we one go. One of these movies Pull will option. lose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pull option number one. Laura Croft, Tomb Raider, starring Angelina Jolie back in 2002. I'm not going to lie, Goo, this is my vote because Angelina Jolie back in 2002, I was about 14 years old. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh. I remember watching Tomb Raider. And he's going to get weirdly nostalgic in a very strange way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, this is the last, like, big video game movie franchise that we have yet to cover. I know there's like the Warcrafts and the like whatever, but this is like the last one that I think you know, if you did uh yeah, you know, survey says like, you know, 5 5 out of 10 people would name this movie. And and it's weird because this one just can't seem to win no matter what Tomb Raider we put on. They just they haven't been able to to break through. I think we've so, put it up against like I- Resident Evil and 
the likes, you know, some other big ones. So it's it it it's uh it's you know, had some tough competition, we'll say. Well, I I think that you know, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I think we're finally going to get uh going to get Tomb Raider in our next virtual theater episode here because I I think that this poll is Tomb Raiders to win. Um so that's poll option number 1, Lara Croft Tomb Raider. Poll option number 2, the other <laughs> The other DVD in my $5 Walmart two-pack, Max Payne, yeah. starring Mark Wahlberg. And, uh, you know, if this is anything like Hitman, we are in for a wild ride. It is famously tied with Hitman in our poll. So, uh, you know, it doesn't, I don't know if it has a shot, though. But I would love to watch it from some Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> uh, I think that, uh, I, I think that this might be the underdog, um, you know, you with, with so? a good chance of winning. <laughs> well, I, I think if it's not Tomb Raider, it's going to be Max Payne, I think. Okay, okay. I think we could agree on that. All right, poll option number three, Dead or Alive. Goo, I, I actually don't know anything about this movie, really. Do you? Uh, no, I don't know anything about this movie itself. You know, I know the games. I don't I don't know anything about the games, either. It's like a fighting game with, uh, with anime girls, and it's got boob physics. And I think they made a, uh, I believe they made a beach volleyball game. You know, I was just about to say, I do remember the beach volleyball game for the Xbox um, back in the day because people were all about that. Let's see. And I'm just taking a look at this here and it, it looks like Paul W.S. Anderson produced it. Um, yeah. Okay. And it's got a uh, Jamie Presley. Okay. So well, there there's a lot go. of great you, you elements for... here. <laughs> <laughs> I think that there's only one reason to probably vote for for Dead or Alive, and uh, it's probably not going to be the movie's plot. But there you go. That's poll option number three. And coming back for an unprecedented sixth time on the virtual wow. theater polls. Hashtag WCNW, baby. <laughs> Wing Commander never wins and i think that you know i I think that at this point goo wing commander is gonna have to be like the virtual theater like series finale show that we do because it's never gonna win yeah if we somehow and if it it does (laughs) yeah that's the end of days i think wing commander uh can beat some other movies i think there are movies it can beat but uh I don't know. I don't know when that day will be. I think it could beat DOA. I, I think it will beat DOA on this poll. And if it doesn't, then I, uh, I don't know what to say. I don't know. I think I would take that bet. I, I <laughs> okay. think that DOA could do better. Right, let's, we'll let's see. Stay, let's, let's make a side wager. Yeah, a little, little fun f- bet for fun. All right. Those are your poll options. I'll, I'll read them off one more time for you guys. Poll option number one, Laura Croft Tomb Raider. Poll option number two, Max Payne. Poll option number three, DOA, Dead or Alive. And poll option number four, Wing Commander Never Wins. <laughs> of course, you can vote over on Twitter at Virtual Theater X. Uh, the poll will be up probably uh, probably as you are listening to this episode. So make sure that you go over there and vote and retweet and uh, tell people about this podcast. That would be really awesome. And leave us leave us some five star reviews. We'd really uh, we'd really appreciate that. Uh, of course, virtual theater is all over the internet. We're on SoundCloud. We're on uh, we're on iTunes. We're on Spotify. We're everywhere that you get your podcasts. So like and subscribe. Join 
our Discord. I'm looking at Discord right now, and it looks like we're looks like we're putting together a movie night here, Goo. Finally, Some, we're not involved, but it's happening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there you go. The community is is doing what we cannot or what we haven't been able to do. To have we're fun. finally having a movie night. It, yeah, really. Um, so there you go join our discord and you can you can get in on some of that action and of course patreon is the best way to support the show patreon.com forward slash virtual theater uh throw us a buck or throw us five bucks we promise that you will get uh every penny's worth if you do um goo that's gonna do it for for us anything you want to say before we get on out of here uh yeah i checked and the actor who played ram played billy the kid in bill and ted's excellent adventure so I actually know who he is now. <laughs> Rest in peace, Ram. R.I.P. Ram. R.I.P. All right, check us out on Twitter at Spateri316, at GooeyFame, at Virtual Theater X. That's it. We're out. We'll see you back here next time for Animal Crossing. <laughs>